Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. It's now time for Cannabis Talk 101 with Blue, Joe Grande, and Mark and Craig Wasserman, the Pot Brothers at Law. We're the world's number one podcast for everything cannabis. Welcome to Cannabis Talk 101 with Blue, Joe Grande, and Mark and Craig Wasserman, the Pot Brothers at Law. It's good to have you both here today. Mark and Craig, Blue is out. He has to handle a bunch of things at the house and all over. Allegedly. Well, he de- at least he called early and, you know, and <laughs> you got to leave right away as well. I, I thought he was done doing that illegal stuff. <laughs> Doesn't it feel? Why does it feel like that with him? Why do you, and I, Craig? Do you feel that way too? Like he won't tell uh-oh. us what he's doing. He you really sure he's not at? taking his grandmother somewhere? Hey, hey! Just because Mark's always using that's, those excuses, that's not my grandmother. Can we discuss a little bit? Yeah. Well, our dad, our dad, you know, it should be noted. He, our both parents got it, and our dad, our mom didn't have any uh, side effects. Our dad was very fatigued and had uh, the body ache. And your dad stayed a little longer, which is good, but your mother-in-law now show, showing some symptoms of some yeah, that, that reactions. Yeah, after 24 hours, she was fine, and then this morning she woke up with a lot of pain in her legs. And just to be clear, woke up on the floor from the bed, yeah, which is crazy tra- when you tried told to me get the story. Up and she fell, and she's 91, and she luckily she didn't get hurt from the fall. But she's dealing with a lot of pain in the leg, so the doctor wants to check And, out. Craig, just to let you know why this has to do with cannabis, because the mother-in-law ended up putting some uh, Pop Brothers at Law lotion on her legs That's and right. some cream on her legs, and she fell down again. So I don't know how she well didn't the lotion know. worked. It started the relief. The it relief. started the relief, but they're taking her to the hospital, right. so Mark will be leaving shortly. Thank you guys for listening to the show all around the world. Uh, we want to thank you guys for doing that. Make sure you check out our Instagram pages for daily news and all about our personal lives at Cannabis Talk 101 at pot underscore brothers underscore at underscore law. Mark's at Waslaw, Craig's at Waslaw Dog, and Blue is at one Christopher Wright, while I am at Joe Grande 52. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in and following us all over the world. But Mark and Craig, we have a very special guest that I believe reached out to the Pop Brothers at Law first. Paul Whitehouse from Ohio. And he was a police officer that quit after eight years. He's dabbling now into some new stuff, which his new uh, website is patriotbfc.com. Patriot Business Finance Consultant, uh, 
Paul, thank you so much for joining us today and, and coming on the show. And actually, you drove here yeah. from Ohio. Please get a little closer to the mic so I can feel like you're right next to me. All right. And um, Paul, talk to us because you reached out to Mark and Craig, the Pop Brothers at Los Angeles, how you love their script. Talk about how you found Mark and Craig first off. LinkedIn is where I found these guys at. And as soon as I watched the video, just I agree with it 100%. I became fascinated with First Amendment audit videos, Border Patrol, you know, uh, checkpoints, uh -huh. DUI checkpoints. My personal opinion is that it's unconstitutional, even though the Supreme Court ruled for them. I just, I can't believe that they did. did saying that, have you ever been a part of a checkpoint as when you were a police officer? No. Because you never, ironically, had the chance to, or did you ever be appointed one and said, "No, this is bullshit"? Or what's the difference? They didn't. Well, they didn't do them widespread back then. There was DUI checkpoints back in the '90s. I was uh, I worked from 1992 until 1999, and the state patrol had them, but I saw none of them. So, just didn't have a chance to participate in. So, them. was it eight years that you served with the police department? Correct. Yeah. And in those eight years, Mark and Craig, I, I, which I love the script so much, did anybody ever use the script on you? Never once. Never heard any resistance. Well, so, wait, 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 wait. But he was, when When were you an officer? Well, 1992 through 1999. Right. So it wasn't even invented yet. <laughs> I mean, to say it wasn't invented by the Pop Brothers at law, but to not talk to the police about where you're going is borderline common sense. You guys just Well, apparently it down not. He didn't have anybody do it. Well, uh, apparently, but I mean, logically, you know, even though the script is is perfect for everybody to learn, but it's, you know, knowledge that should be, everybody mm -hmm. should know somewhat, but it's so hard to fathom it and then tell you have two lawyers going, you guys, this is your right. Know this and put it in people's head. Most people are afraid anyways when they get pulled over by the police. As a police officer, I, I, from our judgment and what we hear from other cops, do they teach you guys to pry and get shit from people to try to arrest them? Because, for instance, as people get arrested here and what we see all the time, you know, you get pulled over. Why are you pulling me over? So where are you going? Where are you going? Why this? Why that? Where, you look like you were going for it. You look like this. What? It's just all prying. And it feels like prime. Do they teach? They take you to prime master school to become a, the best prior you could be. Well, I mean, you get you should have to be able to do that to a certain extent because who you should be looking for on traffic stops is Ted Bundy, serial killers, bad bad people. I feel like right? it's a catch twenty two, right? Because you're right. You guys as cops, you got to have to do your fucking job, and I agree with it to an, to an extent of do your job and to tell you find the ones that know the script and know their rights. Well, then I can't do my job anymore to pry because you're not going to give me the information. Well, pry if uh, you feel that you should. If there's something that looks suspicious, there's nothing wrong with investigating because there are bad people out there. So you, there's a point to which you're supposed to do, but you're but not supposed to. As you say that, it, how do you come up with that conclusion, especially when you're pulling somebody over? Is it? I mean, you have to, no matter what, as a cop, and I hate to say this, you have to make judgment calls on appearances, on the car, on the fucking look, oh, on yeah. your experience of people twitching a certain way, acting a certain way. I would assume all these things have to be into consideration, which they go, why stereotype? Why make these racial judgments? Well, because fucking nine out of ten, this is what's happened in my experience as a cop. Yeah. As you know, I just take the other side sometimes saying that where I can take the other side and go, well, that's still bullshit. I mean, I can counter it real quick, but it's got to be hard. Well, that's everything you said is true. But I mean, it's it obviously you have to look at whatever situation is in front of you. My personal experience is racism was never anything. Every person was a person. 
white person can be a serial killer, a black person can be a bad person. It didn't matter. Whoever was there. And that's from your standpoint as a cop. My standpoint. But would you agree you've seen the other side, though, and see it a handful of times everywhere and anywhere? The majority of the officers that I directly worked with were just like that and didn't give unlawful orders. I've seen it. I was a victim of it myself while I was a cop. What I do mean, you mean? Oh, talk about that. <laughs> what, what happened? All right. So uh, one cop that I knew in a neighboring city, I knew him. We weren't friends, but we knew one another. We recognized one another, said hello. I lived in the city at that time. I go home. I had an alarm drop at my house. And an hour later, they arrive. I called the alarm company, but it's an hour later. I'm asleep. You know, boxer shorts on. I had hair then, so I had some bedhead going on. <laughs> I get up, I see flashlights, I answer the door, and I got a dog. My dog's going crazy. The same cop looks and he goes, put Cujo away before I shoot him. Jesus. So, you know, he didn't recognize me, and that that ain't right. Right. I wouldn't say that to somebody. I would judge that for what it was. Right. Doesn't look like he's robbing the place like that. So, um, yeah, that's my personal bad experience. The overwhelming experience that I've had is positive. Police... Lots of policemen are great, yeah. but the ones who are bad, they got power to be bad. And unlawful orders, at any time an unlawful order, in my opinion, doesn't have to be obeyed. So. I mean, you heard it right there, straight straight from the horse's mouth. And, 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 and we were talking earlier, you know, what would you do? Let's talk about the uh, pullovers you would do and... You smelled that cannabis. What state was this in where you were at? Ohio, now? right? Ohio? Right, right, Ohio. So in Ohio, illegal. What would you do when you uh, came on, came upon somebody, you pulled over, you smelled the cannabis, but didn't see anything else like a serial killer or anything else that yeah. stuck out at you like that something was going on? Well, you know, in Ohio, that's probable cause. Yep. So I could do... Whatever you off- want. <laughs> well, no, you can't do whatever you want. You got officer discretion. You can arrest them for it if it's under 99 grams. And I think it's still that way currently, but back then, under 99 grams was a minor misdemeanor. So you write them a ticket. You don't take them to jail. So you could have done that, could have done that. What did I personally do? I let them go because it just wasn't a big deal to me. I knew, I looked yeah. at it what it was. I, I smoked when I grew up. I understood what it was. I arrested lots of drunk drivers because it's way different. Yeah. They they're were, impaired. It's they're, That's because they're impaired. Oh, 100% impaired. Did you actually ever have a DUI? You're here, oh, Craig. Oh. Did you actually have a DUI from cannabis that you ever had had to deal with? I saw them. I saw other uh, troopers or other police agencies bring them in because the department I worked at is where they had the breathalyzer at. So I saw it happen. I never did it. I wouldn't. Have when you say it. breathalyzer, breathalyzer is only for alcohol, right? Well, but you would bring them to the same place to process them. Okay. So yes. Would you ever breathalyze? I mean, for I don't know what reason, but would you no. ever breathalyze someone that was quote unquote on cannabis? No, 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 no. He not wouldn't even bring him in. He'd let him go. Now let yeah. me ask you. Let me interject because in in the bio we received, and I think we should talk about this, uh, uh, is that you've been smoking. It sounds like my brother and I your whole life, which means you smoked during your eight year career as in law enforcement. Discuss that, how, you know, if you smoked all day, you know, before, after work, whether you believed it uh, impaired your ability to do your job in any way. Why don't you talk a little bit about that history? Sure. Yeah, it didn't impair me at all. Same person all the time. Nobody ever knew. When I was worked at my first job, a grocery store, nobody ever knew. It's just, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that get affected by it so badly that you can tell. Sure. But I don't think the majority of people do. And everybody I know who are my friends, longtime friends. I can't tell. 
So would you say you were a closet cannabis user? Not really. As a law enforcement, when you were a cop for those eight years, were you a closet cannabis user? A closet is a funny word, Isn't right? it, though? <laughs> yeah. But, but so you know exactly so what no. the hell it means. The green and closet. how we, li- we like to use the green closet because yeah. Mark and All Craig right. have really liked to normal- normalize a professional job. Yeah. And a police officer is definitely another... I mean, I've yet to see an yeah. active police officer come out of that green closet and be like... <sighs> Hey guys, I'm on social media. I'm a cop. Let me tell you, these are the fucking rules and regulations on how to do this. Yeah. So I, I would, you know, I'm curious as a police officer, not saying that sure. you went on social media yeah, or maybe but, you did, but were you out of the green closet smoking with other people that you knew that knew that you were a cop? Obviously, they probably knew you were a cop, but who knows? Other friends were cops. And you guys all engaged. Right. I mean, not the overwhelming majority of them, but enough. Would you ever bust somebody and take their weed and use that weed to smoke for them? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I'm just wondering, yeah. like me and my cop buddies all, hey, uh, I got a 99. This is some killer skunk butt over here no. in Ohio. Get over here. Let's scare the shit out of these fucks. Code 20. <laughs> pounds. What, what, what's, the, what's the most cannabis you ever found on somebody that you pulled over and let go? I don't know, like quarter ounce, a half Half uh, bag or something okay, like that. So just That's a little it. amount. Yeah. What, what, if if somebody rolled up and there was like fifty pounds in the trunk, would you what would you have thought about that or done about that? I don't know. Uh, it's hard to answer that one because I don't know at that time. Who knows? Never yeah. happened. Fair uh, enough. Not 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 major uh, uh, cannabis guys rolling through Ohio, I guess. <laughs> there probably are. I mean, we're right beside Interstate eighty, so <laughs> there absolutely is. It's just. No. Uh, I, I never ran into that. Go ahead, Craig. Gotcha. Yeah, let, let's let's talk a little bit about you know what prompted your call to us and how you view the script and STFU and and our and our advice to be you know um, uh, polite to law enforcement but still assert your rights and uh, what, what do you what do you think about all that? that that's what I think actually got you sure. to you know hit us up like man if someone did that to me when I was when I pulled someone over this is what would have happened. Okay. Well, the main thing that prompted my call was, truthfully, I really wanted to talk about my business because we finance, we have a strong focus right now in cannabis and hemp, and you guys are the perfect platform. When I first started watching you guys, uh, the script is great. How can you not agree with it? How can anybody who believes in the Constitution not agree with it because it only makes sense? Well, tons of cops who sit there and go, (laughs) fuck, why do you know your rights? You're making this hard for me? Well, they should not be that way. As simple as it that. It should not, but I mean, we all it know is what it is. is. Yeah. But that's why you have to exert them, and that's why they work. And if you do it the exact same way, it works. And especially with cameras, if you were doing this without a camera, well, hopefully their body camera's on. Right. And if it's not, and if they mute it, which I don't agree with that, I think it should be a law that they it's rolling 24, yes. eight-hour shift, keep it on. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Paul Whitehouse, as you're definitely on well, our side of, of viewing it like that. Or Craig, did you want to finish that? Well, I was going let him, to let, let him finish the, the answer. You wanted him to finish stroking you guys about Pop Brothers at Law and your, and your, and your script? No problem. Go yes, ahead. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> my ego's hurting. Please uh, feed my buddy Craig. You know, well, it's, it's, it's important the... from an officer's perspective that because we rarely okay. are able to have anybody on who is in law enforcement or was in law I enforcement. I agree, Craig. Disgusting. I'm just busting your balls, but I agree. I know. If somebody Eight. said that to me, I would just respect them and say, you're right. That's how I would so, have done it. So, how about this? Back let's then. let's you know act it out. You guys, know what's funny? I, I want to act you, it out with, he, with wait, it, though. Well, no, you know what's funny is, though, that we we do get so many DMs from not only from other officers saying how they agree with it. But the point from people who actually invoke it respectfully, even the quote unquote bad cops, they get a little flustered when you stick to it. And they're like, 
We have a lot of cases where people call up and say, I didn't, didn't even get the ticket that they pulled me over for because it's, I was using the, the example of the club on a car steering wheel that a guy's going to go to the next car that doesn't have one because it's easier to do. You know, 99.9% of the people you pull over aren't going to invoke the script. So go to the next guy who's going to incriminate himself and they leave you alone. Well, if I pulled somebody over and they immediately did that, true, seriously, trying to be a professional at it back then, I would not give up because the true goal of a traffic stop, in my opinion, is to look for bad guys. You're not looking to ticket everybody. You're looking for bad guys drive cars, right? I mean, when I say bad guys, I'm truly talking about wanted rapists, serial killers. So if you're stopping a car and just because somebody gives you resistance immediately, you don't have to immediately give up. If you feel there's something there, it's fair to go because if you make the wrong judgment and you don't know, dig deep into somebody who's dangerous, well, then you did a, you did a disservice, right? But if I but, agree with you, it's but, a yeah. tough job, man. But legally, but legally speaking, even there, there's only so de- you know, like deep, 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 deep because even yeah. the bad guys, the fucking worst criminals there are, the rapists, the murderers, they may know the script too. That's exactly they right. They could be on their way to go killing somebody right now, and yeah. they know the script and they can get away with it. Yeah. So it's a cop's discretion to fucking try to figure it out. And it's hard because how do you? Cops, you are, I mean, but cops we, are nice. We, There's a lot of good. I'm sorry to interrupt you. There's just great cops out yeah. there. They're out there for the good. And the small percentage that are bad really make it look bad. And when they're bad, really, and Paul, it's, it's Paul Whitehouse, really bad. And Paul Whitehouse, that's what I was yeah. going to ask before, before we moved on real quick. But those bad cops that we're referring to, did you know any when you were in Ohio? Did you know like... Fuck, you know, this guy, Mr. fucking Pitt, he's a bad one. Yeah, there was uh, three or four known ones who were, like, abusive to people on other departments, not in my direct department, and uh, neighboring cities. It was was known. known. Those were the ones. Yeah. Wow. Now, that being said, because of the blue wall and the blue fucking under, you know, the the cardinal rules that are unsung, you you can't change these things that we know exist in the world of police. Right, we know and we've heard of it. We've seen TV shows, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, Google it and understand the blue wall is protecting cops at any expense and every expense, no matter what happens. Would you, Paul, ever find yourself, or did you find yourself in a scenario where you'd have to call out somebody? First off, answer that one. Never. Never. Now that being said, as you said, you knew of a few of those cops. Would it be beneficial for you or anybody else for the communities that you guys lived in to check these type of cops and try to correct them or is it too far because they're generations and they're tied into the other people like can that be fixed is my point because as i overview look at it and feel like when you look at the george floyd cops when you look at other cops who are these bad ones is it really fixable because if paul whitehouse from ohio who worked eight years never had the opportunity to firsthand tell somebody which is a great scenario for your situation. Is it possible for cops to educate the bad cops to be like, you guys, stop fucking doing that and making us look all like dicks in nice street terms? If you're a, if you're a bad cop anyway, then you're just a bad person to begin with. So you got to really right. go a little bit deeper than that. But yeah, I mean, here's how I think. That body cam and that mic should be on eight hours a day in the car. Conversations recorded. It's all public time. You need to be fully checked at all times. So, yeah, I mean, it can be fixed. I, yeah, let, let me let, let, let me interject real quick regarding the pullovers. Well, <clears throat> boy, you make it sound, you know, and, and I really respect that when you walk up to a car, 
you're looking for a bad guy, right? Yeah. And and that that's hard to argue with. And you're, you know, just things don't look a little weird. I've been doing this 33 years. Someone comes into my office and, you know, it happens from time to time where, you know, you're lying. This guy, this guy's not telling me the truth. Mark sees it. We see it. And, and you have, I don't know, you know, call it a hunch, whatever. But your experience tells you I need to go a little further and really pry and get, hey, give me the truth. But, you know, I don't know if that's the the minority of the time uh, of, of pulling people over, even though you have to do it every time because you don't know what you're getting into. But, you know, we've heard on, it was live TV. I think we posted a thing on, it was what stick said that every pullover was meant to get into the person's car. Now here's what he said. I, I remember this quote. We are looking for a reason to pull you over and we're looking for a reason to get in your car. That's exactly what he said. That doesn't sound as good when you say, you know what? I'm looking for the bad guy. So he doesn't <laughs> kill anybody. I feel kind of bad for, you know, to, I'm not discussing my day, you know? <laughs> that's, but, a, that's a hard one to answer. I mean, you're looking to be active. You drive down the road. If something happens in front of you, you might be speeding, running a red light. It doesn't matter what color, what type of car it is. You stop them, talk to them, evaluate, think about, investigate. If you see something, you act on it. And if you don't, you don't. Uh, you engage and see what's going on, right? That's such a hard I mean, one. So that, that, that's why it's so important to, you know, the, the, what is it, the second line of our script is I'm not discussing my day. No matter how many times you pry or ask or, or whatever, at some point you have to give it up and either am I being detained or am I free to go? And you have to make that decision right then. Of, do I have enough or do I let them go? And is that Craig, how it before we go to break, though, let, well, let's see. What I'd like to do is have – uh, former police officer Paul White from the Ohio Police Department role play with our very own actor who's booking gigs here and there and everywhere and has to leave shortly. Let's see how good his acting is, Mr. Mark Wasserman, coming right. out of retirement for this. All right. So, uh, Officer Whitehouse, if you could act like you put your badge back on, you're, you're no longer a free citizen, you're back to being a cop. And Mark Wasserman is a young thug in Ohio, driving the streets, and he gets pulled over. Let's role play from here to see what happens as you walk up to the window. Okay, well, let me start by saying that I immediately pulled over when I saw the lights. I turned my uh, car off. I made sure my w window was rolled down enough to pass all my license, insurance, and registration through. And let's add in there that you smoked a joint an hour ago. Okay, that's for me to know. And then I put my hands on the steering wheel. In the car. Right, and I wait. So hence I gave you that that cue. It's, he smoked a joint. And, let, and let's and let's make it let, let's make it also a fact that you're in a baby. state where smell is no longer probable cause. Because if no, you it smell, is probable cause in Ohio. No, no, but Ohio I'm saying that we can't use that as example because okay, that just good. trumps all. There you go. You're right. He's so we're in, in California, California, so now you have to you, you cross state lines. Now you're a California cop. All right, let me try to remember all this stuff. <laughs> no. you're all right, man. Pull over, pull over. I safely pull over as soon I, I safely pull over to the right, turn my engine off and my window down and my hands are on the steering wheel. So do you know why I pulled you over? Why did you pull me over? You were speeding. Where are you coming from today? I'm not discussing my day. Oh, you're not discussing your day. How come? Am I being detained or am I free to go? Well, you're temporarily being detained for a traffic violation. Can I have your driver's license and your insurance card, Mr. Wasserman? Yes, here's my driver's license, insurance, and registration, which I had on my visor, so I only had to move my hands from my wheel to my visor. Which is key, folks, especially for us minorities. It, and then give it to the officer. 
and All hands right. back on the wheel. All right. Do you know what speed you were going? I'm not discussing my day. Okay. Well, I'll be right back. That's it. That's it for me. That's your pry? I'm done. Well, I've uh, got nothing to pry upon. And then you would go back to your... Well, hold you on. Yeah, do you, hold on. Wa- do you want me to him. pry? Yeah, let me get do Pitt you, over do, here. Do you now want... Pitt was driving. <laughs> Mark didn't finish the script. Do you want me to pry? Well, he didn't come yes. back. I, well, I, you I, want me to pry? I, I want you to pry. I just got to know what role I need to do. Let's continue. Mark, you said you're being detained. All right. You're right. Yeah, so you're still there. So it's not done. You went and looked at it. So that you was your fault, at it, Mark. And you come back. Now exactly. I know my role. Okay. I want you to go hard on him. I want you to make him crack. All what right. I want you to do. But no, you know what? Don't Hold make on. him no, do try. Are we going to have time to talk about my business, We're too? Yeah, yeah, for a second. Yeah. We got two more. We're going to go into that next. That's the most I just, important. I just want to get rid of this police stuff out of the way first All right. before we talk All about it. All right, I'll try. All right. Yeah, I want you to go hard to show people... What a hard ass cop can sound well, like. It's to been try so to get long out. since I've been a hard no, ass, but yeah. I'll try. A lot of cops are right, in your DNA. You got Ch- it. Channel All those right. three guys that you knew about. <laughs> that's why I shaved today. Shaved the head today. All right. All right. Mr. Washman, I smell something in your vehicle. Can you tell me what that is? I'm not discussing my day. Well, you're going to have to discuss your day. I, I smell something in your vehicle, and it's unusual. It smells actually like marijuana. Can you tell me about that? Am I being detained or am I free to go? You're being detained because of the traffic stop. But what I'm asking you is, what about that smell in your car? I invoke the fifth. You invoke the fifth. Okay. Well, you only need to invoke the fifth when you're under arrest. I'm not, I have the dumb, I've not read you your Miranda rights yet. I'm just asking you a conversational question. Can you cooperate? And can you tell me the answer to that question? What is it that I smell in your car? And for those in podcast land, I am shutting the fuck up. <laughs> so, okay. So he's just being quiet. He's just letting the audience know why he's not well, responding to you. Well, if we were in a state right now where that was probable cause, then well, I would tell him to get out of the car. You could tell him to get out of the car. Now, if you're in a state yeah, Let's like say California, it's, not probable, it's not probable cause. Not probable cause? Well, then there's nothing you can do. Okay, now that. let's go back to, okay, so a, g- a good cop is probably going to hear that. I'm scanning, see that, you're looking trying. for other stuff. If, if I see some paraphernalia, I'm looking for some reason, if he sees, uh, If you see a pipe, Mark and Craig, it's more California law for you guys. Is that probable cause because yes. he sees a pipe? Yes, that's paraphernalia in plain view. What about a knife? Yes, that's, well, that's a knife. Essentially, depends on the size. No, a little, a little uh, knife, you know what I'm saying? Like one of these little pocket a knife, knives. But knives no. aren't illegal. Not a pocket knife. You can have a, a Arkansas toothpicker and that's not illegal, am switch I right? Switchblade, yeah, that. A switchblade is illegal. There are certain types of knives that are okay, illegal. Okay, now let's switch the script and now you're in Ohio where it is probable cause. Okay. Let me hear how it goes from there because a lot of listeners, of course, all over the world where it is probable cause, how does it happen from the moment when you say you smell something it goes the same way and then the way it would end up and then the way it would end up if uh he wouldn't cooperate or or speak anymore on what it is say come on out of the car exit the car if i was alone depending on how i judged him to be cooperative uncooperative i might tell him to stay there and wait until i get somebody else there or i might bring him out by myself bring him out probably cuff him up and uh put him in the back of the car because I got probable cause to do that and I could search the car. And That's I would, not a problem. I would remain shutting the fuck up and I would comply with all the requests, get out of the car, put my hand no, behind my back. I, I, I think the, the, the moral of that last story is the only thing the script can do in that scenario, 
you just can't continue to, you, you can't screw yourself. But if you're in a state where it's probable cause, don't allow your car to smell like it because that will trump, pardon the expression, that will trump everything. He's able to do it. You're not giving him consent. He doesn't need your consent. So just don't let that happen. Don't let their probable cause exist because that would be the only probable cause they would have unless they saw something in plain sight. So in those states, don't deodorize. Is it medical in Ohio? Or It's medical. So, that's, so, that, so th- that's interesting, though, because, you know, in, in California before the adult use was medical and we could make we successfully did this in the past years and years ago when a, an officer searched for the smell. We argued that it wasn't illegal conduct because the person had their medical card and it was they had they were possessing it legally because of their medical card. Therefore, the smell in and of itself wasn't illegal conduct. So the point is, though, no matter where you are, never consent to a search because you never know how your defense attorney later can try to argue some kind of search. But if you consent, it's over, done. Period. And you never know what falls in your car. Hence, yeah. Mark and Craig had a story of helping yeah. some lady who was an Uber driver and drove home somebody that was homeless, and he left a joint in the back seat, and she got popped for it. A roach. a roach at that, not even a full joint. Yeah. So, you know, do not do that. <laughs> Don't let those. strangers in your car. And if you do, even if it's your buddy, like I could have peanut in my car and he could drop one of his pills that he takes, who knows what happens. And I'm like sitting there going stuck like Chuck, whose is this? Oh, my uh, buddy peanut. <laughs> I swear to God, it's not mine. If it, was, if it was crack, we would know it was from Joe. Exactly. I look like the biggest crackhead. There's a lot of 260-pound crackheads walking around. We had a guy who consented to a search because he thought, oh, I don't have anything. And they and he was on probation, a felon on probation, two days from getting off probation. They tore his car apart, and they found a bullet that was left there from like eight years before. And uh, he, that was, he was a felon with a ammunition. Can't do that. Don't do that. It's great to talk to you. Paul Whitehouse from Ohio. Eight years in the PD. Now we're going to talk about, though, when we come back, his new gig, Patriotic T. Oh, so PatrioticBFC.com. No. What, what is it? You are destroyed. You're far away. Patriot Business Finance Consultants. You know what? I, I don't even know who I am. It's Cannabis Talk. Why don't we get Blue back in here? Thank you. That was him. <laughs> I channeled him right now. We'll be right back. It's Cannabis Talk 101. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? 
it's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Welcome back to the Craig and Joe Show. It's Craig Wasserman and Joe Grande. That's all that matters in this world, right, Craig? That's absolutely correct. I would agree. Okay, it's Cannabis Talk 101. Welcome back to the show. Blue is gone today, handling some stuff, and Mark's picking up his mother-in-law as she has to go get her another shot or go see the doctor again to see if she's okay after getting the COVID shot. So a lot of people out there, I know this may relate to you because these shots are out there running wild. So if you can get yours... You know, hopefully you don't have a reaction. Well, Paul, great stories about you being a you know an ex-cop and this and that. Before we get into your new website and your new venture, PatriotBFC.com. Thank you very much. I can read now. That's right. Why did you quit? Well, it's pretty simple. Two reasons. So I was full-time at the Sheriff's Department for three years, and that was the worst job. The, the culture there was different than the township police department that I worked at. That was... Elaborate, what do you mean different? Okay, in the in the county that I live at, you would want to work at the police department that I worked at. It was part-time, but I worked there for 32 or 40 hours a week, so I was literally working 70, 80 hours a week between both jobs. Uh, at the township, you just did the job. You drive around, if you see something going on, you investigate it, no problem. The sheriff's department was an old union mentality, I guess, don't do more than me because you make me look bad. And they did nothing. One of the guys went home at night. Everybody else went to Perkins and sat and ate. And for five hours out of eight hours, they were doing nothing. I came from a, I wanted to be active. So I was active. And uh, they didn't like that. So two years on the road at the Sheriff's Department, midnight turn. That's where you want to be at if you're a policeman, working nights, where the action's at. You know, you want to go to bar fights. It's, it's exciting. It's what you want. But uh, those guys... As you say that, I'm sitting here going, I wouldn't. I just want to make the money and fucking go home, but okay. Well, they did. Well, they did. Yeah. <laughs> I want one... to go home to my family. No big fights, no big nothing. They did. The one the one guy just farmed all night long. It was crazy. So As a sheriff, getting paid to be yeah, a sheriff, and he's I'm farming. I'm telling you the truth. That's the oh, way Oh, so, so a lot of bullshit was going on. Rather yeah. than just cats not wanting to get involved, they just weren't even doing their job, period. Yeah. So I quit there. Went. I got a promise that you'll be the next full-time guy at the township. Didn't happen. They hired another guy. Hung on, they hired another guy after a slap on the back and a promise. And then they hired a girl just because she was a girl. I had seven and some years, and she had six months. Mm. And I didn't really like that. And then uh, my friend who owned a construction business said, let's go make money. We sold, uh, what do you call them, uh, butane lighters and guns and ammo magazine. 
Really? Made a little bit of money. I got bit with the bug of trying to do some business and make some money. Had some small businesses, landscaping, sold cars really well. I did really well selling cars, did mortgages, and all of that took us to where we're at right now, to where Patriot Business Finance Consultants. And tell us about that. What is this exactly? So imagine a mortgage broker. You've got 30 lenders, and that mortgage broker can go to that many places to get you the best deal, the best rate, the best product for whatever you're trying to do. Same thing. Although we are brokers, we prefer to be consultants because we listen, we want the best outcome. We've got 105 lenders, and we can fulfill any finance need. That would be equipment leasing, working capital, credit lines for any business. And any business. That's what we were so doing. So not just the cannabis. You guys can do but But check this out. Okay. Yes, yes, that's true. We can do it for any style of business. But now we're extremely focused on cannabis and hemp because uh, we had... A, bye, see ya. We had a customer referred to us 10 months ago, and that's not institutional financing. He wanted to do an industrial hemp processing plant, ground up. It's a big deal. That's not institutional financing. So we had to learn how to do that. Learning how to do that, everybody I called and spoke with, I did not like. I didn't like what they were saying. I didn't trust them. I have common sense. And when somebody tells me they want a $15,000 a month retainer to raise private money for my customer... I'm like, don't take advantage of me. (laughs) So, yeah, so long story short, after searching, an attorney friend of ours introduced us to a group in Cleveland, Bill and staff, and these guys have taken us under their wing. They mentor us. We have weekly meetings with them. They're great. They've taken us under their wing. They've taught us how to do this, and they've done it for a couple of reasons because they love the hemp deal that we brought them. We also have two other deals on their desk right now with large private money deals. That's the direction that we want to go with our business. And uh, on Clubhouse, that new app, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Clubhouse is excellent. LinkedIn was the best thing that ever happened to our business. But the micro conversations I'm on right now on Clubhouse, everybody in this space needs money, okay? We can do it for them. Uh, can I take a minute more and just oh, differentiate real please, quick? Please, elaborate sure? as long right. as you want. Know, yeah. Thank you. I want you to really – I mean, I'm fully listening, too. That's why – Thank you. I'm so, we're, we're both just listening, not trying to interrupt, and you're taking us down a great path, Thank so you. go ahead. Thank you so much. All right, so there's a couple different ways we can get money for cannabis and hemp businesses. One, if you're an existing hemp, camp in, hemp or cannabis business, CBD – are they both the same? If yeah. it's just hemp and tea, so yeah. even if it deals with the THC Doesn't side, matter. same same thing. No okay. problem. Same rates as well. Yeah. Really? I've got forty leasing companies on my leasing list, forty-two or something like that. Only four of them deal with hemp or cannabis, but they'll deal with them. Now, existing businesses are a lot easier. Startups are a lot more difficult, but they can be done. So we can lease equipment in hemp and cannabis. Are those, uh, are those leases the same at market rate for non-cannabis business? A little bit more expensive, and it depends on the equipment. I mean, if it's common equipment like farming equipment, yes. If it's specialized equipment where they only can only, if they take it back, they can only have one market to sell it to, then it would be more expensive. So leasing, we can offer that. The things that we're most excited about and the things that dragged us into this industry and we like it. We're glad we're dragged into this. It's just happening this way. They're dropping out of the sky at us. Is uh, raising private money while being Securities and Exchange Commission compliant. Very important on this. I'm hearing lots of talk about predatory lending, predatory this. 
uh, they offered some. I heard somebody guy yesterday on Clubhouse say that they offered him money, and then three years later, down the road, he has to share his. He has a social equity license. He mm-hmm. has to share his license with them. He has to always be on. Yeah, that, yeah, that's well, funny that's, you bring that. That's funny you bring that up. I'm involved in a lot of social equity stuff, and that was like bad advice from someone in the beginning, not knowing about social equity. Well, well, that's what the investor wants, though, right? Like the investor going to go, okay, I'll give you the money, but guess what, Mister Social Equity Owner? Three years well, you know in, what? this no, is you, part of the you know, Joe. You know what's happening is there are people out there that are acquiring. There's companies acquiring multiple licenses to to build up their portfolio so they can turn around and sell the entire company. Some of the licenses that are being acquired by some of these companies are licenses that are that were acquired through a social equity program. And most social equity programs, the actual social equity applicant has to own and get so much of the percent of the company and the profits. And so if that's not disclosed properly, if someone were to buy the company that has like 10 licenses and this is one of them, that's the due diligence that has to be done. Otherwise, you run into problems where the social equity applicant gets 30% of the profits or 51% and and that's how it and that's how it is. But isn't that great for that social equity applicant who gets 30% of of all the company though, right? Of all the other licenses as well or just there? No, 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 no. Just if he's part of the whole company, yes, but I'm talking about just a company goes in and buys up various different licenses. You know, and this is the one license has a social equity applicant on it. Yeah, social equity, from what I've learned, is they have to be 40% ownership at all times forever. So even if they sell it, they still have to be 40% owner. But I just use that as an example of some a story someone told me about predatory private money lending in this industry. Here's something very interesting about the way that we do it. And I, I, I thank you, guys. It's, it's quite a difference as far as when you hear private money lending, you think sharks, right? You think they're going for all of it. 90% of my company. (laughs) Hard money loans. Hard money loans. Yeah. But it can be structured in two ways, and one is a better way to do it. So in every time you are being Securities and Exchange Commission compliant, which you need to be when you're raising private money from accredited and sophisticated investors, you have to have a preliminary prospectus, and you have to have a private placement memorandum. That's the language of the investors. That's what they say yes or no to. Uh, And they're required by law. So then you move on to the capital raise. The capital raise, typically equity groups, when they go for the money, they're going to go to one group. They'll go directly to a venture capital company and get the money. That is the scenario that you hear about all the time when you hear them say, well, they, they now own 90% of my company. And they do for the next five years until you buy them out. And that's not a bad thing because if that's the way you got the money, that's the way you grew it. People do it like that. It does happen that way, mm-hmm. but there's a better way. And the better way is this. When you get to the capital raise section, you break it down into three parts. The first part is called free money. Free money is grant money, and there's a lot of grant money out there. Targeting of opportunity zones, looking for port authority money, low interest government loans, anything that you can get. I mean, in this industrial hemp processing deal that we're doing, it's estimated that 8% of it will be free money. And how much are you guys getting from that? $21.5 million is what we're raising for a ground-up turnkey plant. Shout out Global Jeremy Luciano on LinkedIn. They changed the company name. I don't want to say it wrong. But Jeremy's his name. Jeremy Luciano, the best guy. Yeah, he's a great friend. Actually, he changed the name yesterday, and I don't want to be wrong. And 
environmental living industries on LinkedIn. They're building the plant in the state of Texas, industrial okay. fibrous hemp. So, but we're raising $21.5 million for them. So capital raise, if you go straight to the venture capitalist, those are the worst terms for the customer. That's the most expensive money. And they, they literally have the right to ask you for 90% of ownership because they gave it all, right? It's not unfair. If you break the capital raise down into three sections, how much money can you get for free or very low interest government loans? The second part of it is identifying what the borrower can personally sign for. That would be real estate or equipment leases. And this works for a startup business or an existing business. Same, same pro process, okay? Um, so free money, what can personally be signed and guaranteed for? Fill in the balance with investor money. And the reason you do it that way, that takes away the ability of those investors to ask for 90% of your company. You know, now because you're... Because now you have these other loans. You're, else you're, you're in a stronger... Nego we are in a stronger negotiating position to get you more control and equity over that five-year period. I'm just going to go one step, one step deeper as far as that, too. When you're negotiating with private investors, typical companies are going to go straight to the venture capitalists, most expensive money. The way to even micro-structure that is you go to wealthy individuals, wealthy families, wealthy family-run businesses. And is that what you guys have ties yeah. to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's how they do it. Because that yields oh. the best deal for the customer. So what's what's the spread in the worst deal, the bad deal, as, as far as for the listeners and, and potential people who want entrepreneurs you know, out there that are thinking I want to do this. You know, you know what is the cost? I mean, how do you make your money, so to speak? Yeah. What is the cost to, for a capital raise like that? Yep. Um, what is it? What are good terms and what are bad terms? So as far as dollars, there's upfront costs when you're if you're going to start a pizza shop you're going to put 35% down. So if you're borrowing $100,000 to start a pizza shop, you're going to put $35,000 down if you go with an SBA loan. If you're raising $8 million, because we have here's the three deals we've got going, eight, $7 million, $21.5 million, and an $80 million real estate deal. Mm. If you are doing, if you're trying to raise that type of money for your business, well, then there are upfront costs. And what they are is there's something I told you, the preliminary prospectus, the private placement memorandum. Those are legal documents that are required. That's the language of the investors. And you can Google these prices. They range anywhere in price from $50,000, $60,000, $70,000, even $80,000. We have a price. Uh, it's $60,000 for those two documents. Then you put a deposit down towards the capital raise. So it's $100,000 that needs to be invested up front to raise tens of millions of dollars. We don't take on deals unless we know that they can get done. What's a sm like what's the smallest deal you'll take? 5 million. 5 million. Yeah. So that uh, and I what's have the a biggest CBD one company think? that I need to start up? What's that? I got a CBD popbrothersatlawcbd.com. We need Dude. to start up. We we need 5 million. Let's do it right now cuz we can do this for you. We can start now. I'm serious. It's an easy process. We mix it with That's crazy. It's the best process to do it with. That's I, crazy. So go ahead. Well, the people that I work with, they've raised over 4 billion dollars in money for businesses. They've been doing it for 30 years. We've been doing financing for lots of years, but I've got 10 months in the private money game. But when they saw what we brought to them with the cannabis and the hemp industry, they've and I told them, I said, "You know, I'm going on the Pot Brothers at Law." 
I said, do you, you guys, do you plan on retiring next year or how long are you going to go for? They said, bring it, Paul, bring it as much as you can. So I've got, the, I've got the keys to go out and fund as many deals as I can. Well, I wow. think we might be able to help that's you. That's great news. Yeah, that's great yeah. news. As a matter of fact, I'm going to jump you on a call after this show with somebody who is a social equity owner and is looking, I think, for $5 million right now. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so I'll much. Just, I'll ask for my cut later. We'll work it out. That's fair. That's, <laughs> actually, I want to offer you guys a cut. I'm here to do that, too. I mean, this is so interesting because there's we'll so many places. Fee. Yeah, there's so many places out there and so many guys and companies that need that. I mean, even the young lady that we talked to, Craig, from... Um, uh, uh, Canada, who, you know, was looking for money right away. What was her name again? Ashley Newsom. Ashley Newsom, which her dispensaries that she did, but, I mean, she got her money and she did it. I mean, a lot of people out here, this could be their golden ticket, you know? Can I, can I further describe it real Please. quickly? I, I loved hearing it, by the way. Thank you, you. You're walking us down a great path. Thank you. I wasn't even staring at Craig's hairline. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> We have an ongoing thing that every show I have to give them one good jab. So that's eight shows in a row. Everybody really here's got them. hair except me. Well, yours looks really good on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's not cheap to raise tens of millions of dollars. And and, and uh, at first that sounds scary when somebody says to you, it's 100000 up front. But if you research it, because I did a lot, and uh, what my group that I'm now, I exclusively work with them. I'm not looking for anybody else to work with. These guys have done so much for us personally, given us all the knowledge that they didn't have to do to put us out here so we could bring deals, obviously, to them. We're all going to make money on it. But uh, so the process is, if you do have $100,000 to start up, then I collect information. I write a white paper. I do a scope outline. I send it to my friends, Bill and staff. They take seven to 10 days to review it and determine if they want to work on the project. If they don't want to work on it, it's because they don't feel that it would be successful and they're not going to just take $60,000 for paperwork because they have turned down deals that I brought to them. Okay. And they said, we just don't take people's money. So when you're raising capital, you would also want to have the people who write those books for you because it takes two months to do a prospectus and two months to do a private placement memorandum. They're very detailed. They're worked on by expensive people. It addresses every risk, every factor. Financial forecasts are made according to the American Institute of Certified Public Accountant Standards, which are world, you know, worldwide accredited. When investors see it that is prepared to that level, that's what they say yes or no on. If that information is created and brought to them by people that they've already done deals with and have comfort with anyways, chances of success are just keep on rising. So that's the level of these guys. I hate to brag about them so much, but they're well, great. Well, that sounds good. Am I hearing, though, I give you 100000 Is it I pay up front and you turn me down that I'm asked out of hundred grand, or is it a guarantee if I pay hundred grand? to move forward on a $5 million project, $10 million project, is it guaranteed or do I put the 100 grand up with still no guarantee? Nothing in the world is ever guaranteed. Well, we, death we and know taxes that. are. There's two for yeah. sure. And Pitt and I being pulled over so, by a cop being harassed, that's a guarantee too. <laughs> so so no, it's guaranteed. No, not absolutely. Nothing's guaranteed. And that's actually in the contract that we put in there. It's not guaranteed. But so a hundred grand I got to put up for this paperwork. And this, uh, now, now you're making it sound in a bad way. Well, of course, because of course I'm giving you the devil's advocate. Yep, and I don't mind that. So you judge on here's here's how the process works. 
Um, you meet them on a Zoom call. After I create the info, they eyeball it, decide if it's a project that they want to work on. We set up a Zoom meeting. We all meet. You receive a, a booklet on them, knowing who they are, knowing the history of their executive team, and the Zoom call. At that Zoom call, you could decide to do business with them. You could get the contract, or you could take it a step further, which all of our clients have done. They've come to Cleveland and met in person, and that's a good thing to do. If you're going to spend $100,000, why not, right? But why does it cost that much money? I have to justify it, just like when, you, when I sold cars. You have to justify the truth, money with the truth. So these are legal documents that are required to be used in these types of uh, capital raises, and they're worked on by people who don't make $20, $50 an hour. They're worked on by attorney-level people. Uh, 1000 an hour. It's crazy. A lot, a lot per hour, okay? It's super, it takes it's, two it's months. SEC shit, man. It's not, it's serious. You, you can, yeah, you see what I'm saying. It's SEC stuff. So this industrial hemp processing plant, for example, um, the preliminary prospectus its forecasts are verified by the AICPE standards. Um, they're sourced. They're detailed. They're, the risks the risks are identified and then mitigated through facts, and those facts are sourced. This is not a business plan that somebody writes. This is extremely detailed book to success. That prospectus is the basis for the private placement memorandum, which is the SEC requires when you sell shares of your company. So nothing is guaranteed at all in the world, but when they take a project on, here's their motivation. Their motivation is not to get paid for paperwork because they've already turned down deals that I brought them for paperwork only. They don't want that. They want to be on for the full ride, the capital raise, because the charge is 7 to 8% of the capital raised. That's a lot of money to make. You know what I mean? That, right. And that is what it costs uh, to raise that type of money. So any company that engages like this wants to go for the full ride, not the just do the paperwork. No guarantees, but it is a good investment. So does does that all is that all it costs them though to to play is 100 grand and then after that it's do they is it more out of pocket or hey if it doesn't go then you lost out if it does then you just raised, you know, 10 million dollars less your fees. Well, we don't get paid unless we raise the full amount. So if we raise 80% of it, we don't get that 7 or 8% of it. So we only... But what I'm saying, though, is he, he doesn't... The client pays no more than that initial upfront. No, it's 35000 for the preliminary prospectus. It's 25000 for the private placement memorandum. And then there's a $40,000 deposit put down towards the capital raise. And the capital raise in one of our deals is estimated to be four months long. The capital raise in the fiber processing plant, because it's such a brand new industry... Is estimated to take six months. But my 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 question was: the only they don't have to put up more money Nothing. other than that hundred grand. No, has anybody no. put up the hundred wow. grand and they haven't got the loan? Well, we got our first two deals going right now. So one gentleman hasn't put; he's put up the hundred grand. Two of them have put up the hundred grand, and, and they're both in action going. Yeah, in action going forward. My customers are thrilled. Anybody who wants to work with us, my customers will 
take a call with you, and they'll tell you that they're happy with the progress and the process. So if you're interested... And, and I, I'm guessing there's major vetting going on before the hunter's thrown down as far as... Oh, you got to you know, if you're dealing on both with ends. On, on every both end. ends. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're coming out the pocket. You got to go, Paul Whitehouse, let me look up everything before I do anything, which, of course, we always encourage, and Mark and Craig and everybody else yeah. saying, anytime you spend $10, for God's sakes, know where you're spending it, let alone a hundred grand if you're looking at... Well, even uh, on both... I mean, on both sides, once that hundred grand's paid, you know, they're doing all this work for the capital raise so they don't want to get into a deal that you know 100 grand is a lot of money but in relation to what they're raising they don't want to go all through go go through the whole process and realize hey this wasn't such a good deal we shouldn't have done it well that's why they uh yeah you you hit the nail right on the head right there they vet the deals also they don't want to work on a deal that they're not going to come to success yeah it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense yeah they need they don't want to put that money up to do that and so you guys are dealing with a lot of cannabis companies now Mm -hmm. that are doing it from hemp to thc right for both sides of it yeah yeah we want Uh, all the action the website patriot bfc so that's p-a-t-r-i-o-t bfc.com check them out it's cannabis talk 101 we come back paul whitehouse we're gonna do the high five with you okay we've never done it with an ex-police officer i'm kind of excited we'll be right back after this see how it goes Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Welcome back to Cannabis Talk 101. I'm here with Joe Grande, myself, We've got the officer from Ohio, ex-officer from Ohio, and I just lost my screen, Joe. Well, so his name's Paul Whitehouse it, because I know you couldn't remember. I, I just lost fumble. my screen. And not only that, I'm seeing you just fumble over there like a buffoon. I don't, I don't know, know, know where it went. My name is Craig Wasserman, older <laughs> brothers. I'm mom. Give me a break. Oh, I'm my God. There 60. it is. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Hey, that, that, I guess you, know, when, you know what? Hey, that has nothing to do with the joint that he just smoked. Once again, his, that was the screen. You guys, so don't give us that anecdotal evidence again saying, look what happens. You just smoked a whole joint I do that no matter what. 
And I seen the joint you were smoking earlier. That thing was huge. Did you finish it yet? Oh, I, I haven't taken any more hits of that. But you smoked another one? Oh, yeah, this is a, yeah, not, not nothing like that one I brought home today. That was a huge, <laughs> he had like a cigar joint, two grams in it, and it was, uh, was it glass? What's it called in there? Diamond? Yeah, a glass tip. I mean, it was glass tip, cigar. diamonds. Yeah, it was basically big, as big as my cigar I'm smoking. So it's now time for the hi-fi with former police officer Paul Whitehouse and all his new ventures that he's doing with cannabis, with cannabis loaning. PatriotBFC.com is the website. Question number one for you, Paul. How old were you the first time you smoked weed, and where'd you get it from? I think I was 14 years old. Uh, I think it was from a friend, Mike Webb. I'll just out him. Mike Webb. I think it was eighth grade, I think. That's awesome. Nice, nice. At yeah. school, or where were you guys at? We'll say what? Were you at school during yeah, the eighth grade? At probably. <laughs> I, I actually don't totally remember. I just know it was... It was eighth grade. And eighth grade sometime. Time. Good times. Yeah. Question number two, the high five. What is your favorite way to use cannabis? I just smoke it. That's all. And nice joint. A joint, white papers, blunt, sure. just Old pipe. school joint. Yep. Just an old school joint. Okay, mm-hmm. question number three. Craziest place you ever used cannabis? Please say a cop car when <laughs> you're working. That'd be fucking awesome, right? He just, hold on before I go to shift. <laughs> I told you not to talk about that. Oh, sorry. I didn't know if that was true. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No. <laughs> I made that story up. I, I think, uh, I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> okay, good. I don't know if uh, this is craziest or not. I almost think it should be normal, but... Uh, I used to race dirt bikes, and I was racing in uh, hair scrambles, and those are like three-hour races. Well, I had no pit crew. I just, just me, right? So everybody else got a pit crew, man. They pulled up. People gas them up. They take off. They're concerned about winning. I just want to get in there and pass people. I don't care if I'm winning. I just want to get in there and get into it. Right. So I'd pull off the track, go over to my truck, gas up, spark one up. I got a full-face helmet on. I'm back in the race. Oh, that's pretty fucking crazy and awesome story. It was fun. And you're able That's to focus awesome. like crazy, right, in that race. Craig, it's, it's weird, right, when that happens like that. That, that. that just shows you, Joe. That's my point. I've been trying to make all this time. I suggest operating oper- operating heavy machinery. I've done it. See, Joe? No, but and don't don't you agree, though, that, that weed or cannabis, that if it actually does impair you, unlike alcohol, that someone, most people who use cannabis either will not do it before they ride their, you know, motocross, if it does affect them that way, uh, they won't do it. Yeah, if it did, they wouldn't do it for sure. I mean, if you right. drank six right. beers, you couldn't you drive, drive a dirt bike. But how many people would drink six beers and ride a dirt bike? How many people drink six beers and drive the car? I hear what he's saying, and when we have this argument, I say people are just so fucking stupid in general, though. When you look at everyone, you can't look at the normal, uh, intelligent cannabis you consumer and say, those guys know what they're doing. You're right. But how many of those who aren't those guys or girls who know how to handle their cannabis do do that? And that's where I go to say there are those as well. Yes. You see that, Craig? I can agree. I I, I think there's more people, though, that that if you're impaired by cannabis. That's just like saying there's more good cops than bad cops. So look at them all like they're good. Will not engage in an activity if they're too high. If you're drunk, I can fucking drive. Hold on. Pitt has something to say to you. Pitt wants to argue with you. Go ahead, Pitt. No, I don't. I want to argue with you. Oh, you want to argue with (laughs) me? What I was going to say is that. At two, Brute. I think I I said this before. When a person drinks too much alcohol and they black out, they be still moving around like there's nothing, like they're still sober, or like they're still cool. If you smoke too much cannabis and you black out, 
you're going to sleep. You're blacked out. <laughs> so it's a difference between smoking and drinking. Uh, well, I, I, Absolutely. I agree and 100% you know what, Dale, with you. I agree. No, four, but no, no, no hold on a second. This is a good one. I, I agree 100% with you, but that's not what I'm saying. But I agree with you on that. What I'm saying, and the great thing is, is ex-police officer Paul Whitehouse agreed with me, is that there are those people which is you guys are referring to the good cannabis users who are proper and smart and know how to do it. I said, when you look at people in general, you guys are consistently looking at those ones. I'm saying no, there's another no, you're group wrong. Of you're wrong because in eight years, who, Officer Whitehouse never once took someone in for a DUI, which means he felt they were impaired. Doesn't mean he never Only seen anybody. The, Let's no. ask him. Did you Only ever see anybody that cannabis. was fully wrong off smoking weed alone, cannabis alone? Like, dude, you've had too much. You're being an idiot. Are they sitting on the curb with their shirt off because they're all stoned? I mean, there's got to be a certain scenario. Uh, maybe there doesn't have to be, but have there isn't. Doesn't have one. How about can he answer? Asshole. Question. No. Question number four. Hold on. The he high has five. an answer. Hold on. No. Not only former officer, but current owner of Patriot Business Finance Consultants who does cannabis financing. But yes, no, I haven't. I mean, but you know what you. I'm talking I, about. I, I, I can relate to what you're saying, and I know for a fact, you know, when you're growing up, when you're a teenager, you see somebody who may have just first time smoked a joint or something or like that. Or third time. Yeah. Or third time or 20th time, and they're, but the, in my opinion, the mo vast majority can just maneuver around on it. Yeah, I, and I'm not saying they can't. Every, I just talk about that yeah. minority. Question number four, though. I'm right again, by the way. Question number four. What is your go-to munchies after you get high? Nothing. I don't get munchies. Watch out. You're getting robbed, I think, Craig. Is that you know what? That's oh. funny. That's funny because I don't either anymore. Yeah. No Joe munchies number at five. All. Question number five. Who's that hot chick behind you? Oh, is there two? Is that your mom there, too? Hey there, hot <laughs> pants. Come over here. Look at your mother, part of the show. Hi, Bernie. How are you? Hey, hi. That's Joe Grande. Can, you can talk. Hi, can you see me? Next officer we're interviewing. You're live. You're live on the show. No, Mark had to leave. We kicked him off the show. Mark had to go take care of his mother-in-law. So his, his mother-in-law didn't do too yeah, well from the... Uh, yeah, we'll tell you about it. But good to see you, though, always. Jeez, look at All you, All right, mother. question number five, Joe. Question number five of the high five with former police officer Paul Whitehouse. And go to his website, patriotbfc.com, for cannabis lending and all your financial, financial needs. Question number five, if you could smoke with anyone, dead or alive... Who would it be and why? So there was four of them, but one of them's here right now. It's going to have to be you. Yeah, I've always <laughs> wanted to be with me, huh? That's right. Wow. And everybody else here. Well, there was four of them. I'm Who were sorry the other three? I couldn't be there. I mean, I missed those days. No, there Craig and Blue? That's right. You, you That's why I drove here, man. I drove here. For you to say us right now just gets, it makes my, I can't, I'm almost going to cry right now. That's, hey, that's, come by that's tomorrow morning and we'll stand us. around and I'll have our own joints. Are you going to be here tomorrow? Yeah. Then come by. They'll be, they'll be, we'll be here tomorrow. Awesome. Seriously, seriously if you want to come by in the morning, we'll hang out in the backyard. We'll do a tip of the day. That sounds awesome. I'd love it. Back, I mean, if backyard. You, I'm you in look, my backyard. All right. If you look downstairs, most of the tips of the day are right there in that parking lot. Literally. So that's where you'll smoke at as well. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. It's great to have you, and it's great to hear. Craig, we were the first time, this is the first time all four of us were ever mentioned as the person to be. That's right. That just this means. the first time. You know that, right? Mark this date. It popped our cherry. We've made it to the list, guys. <laughs> Cannabis Talk 101. Someone actually cares. Wow. You know what? We're going to make it happen. Anything else you want to plug? Yeah. Uh, Rye Russell, not plastics, K-N-O-T plastic.com. 
one of my clients, one of the best people that I know. He's incredible. His mission is share love with the world. Um, he's got products, uh, 90% hemp, 10% polymer, deteriorates in six months. We're building a factory for him. Environmental wow. living industries, uh, they're with the hemp fiber processing plant. Their mission, it would take me five minutes to explain it, but he named it Eli for a reason, and the reason's beautiful. And they're great people. They've got a great mission at heart. Look at my post on LinkedIn. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. 330-501-4554. You can call my cell phone. That's my personal cell phone. Give it out again. 330-501-4554. One more time, slower. You got it. 330-501-4554. Any business advice, any financing you want to talk, I'm always happy to talk and just help. What if one of the listeners just wants to talk to you about old cop stuff? <laughs> You pulled them over in Ohio one time. That was you, White House, you motherfucker. <laughs> now tell, I got Can sell. I tell you guys a real funny story? Please. All right. I had a lot of funny stories. I got too many of them, but I'll just tell you one real quick one. So I'm driving down 45. It's a dark road, right? I see two Harleys blast past me. They're, they're, they're 80 or 90. I flip around. I chase them. And I had a lot of wild friends growing up, right? One goes straight. One turns right. I go right. We go through a bunch of curves. He stops. He gets off the bike, turns around. I had the lights on him. I was out of the car, and I recognized who he was, and it was my friend Drew. And I walk up to him. He gets down on his face. I'm like, Drew, get up. There's more coming. <laughs> get get going. the hell out of here. Yeah. Drew down. This is what he does. Year, this is what he does. Ah! He, he gets up. He looks at me. He goes, because my last name's White House. He goes, is that you, Whitey? I was like, yep, get going, man. That's a fucking great one. Drew had to be like, thank God it was you. <laughs> and what did you do? go, ah, I don't know where he went. He got lost him. I was chasing him. He went that way. Yep. So. You know what? I don't care what these guys were saying about you. Paul Whitehouse, you're a good dude in my book. All right. Craig, I don't like all, all right. these texts that you're You know what? We just them. need more law enforcement like this is what we need it's really true because you know what i do agree with you paul that there's a lot of great cops and i knew a lot of them i was i was a bouncer and head of security before i ever got into radio and i hung out with a lot of dudes and party with a lot of them and and they were straight while they're you know just being buddies with me and while they're patrolling they gave a lot of people breaks so it's not it's just funny how a couple bad apples can really fuck it up for the police department and there's i mean there's a lot of bad apples out there don't get sure. me wrong in my book but yeah uh, it's just good to have a good one and a good to have a good cop, ex-cop, come on here with us that's doing stuff in the financial game of cannabis. So best of luck to you with that. Once again, his website, patriotbfc.com. Go check him out. It's Cannabis Talk 101. If no one else loves you, we do. We do. We do. Thank you for listening to Cannabis Talk 101 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. 
NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.